Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Go plus B equals work. Don't waste your work. I want to read two passages of Scripture up front today that's going to be the stepping stone for what the Lord has put in my heart uh, today and what I believe He wants to say to this community. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 beginning in verse 3. If you were here uh, and got a message card, you can follow along at the top if you'd like. If not, they'll put it on the screen. But what profit has a man from all his labor in which he tolls under the sun? Then Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 9. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I want to preach a message today titled, The Who, What, When, Why, and How of Profit. The Who, What, When, Why, and How of Profit. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that name is above every name. And I ask that by the Holy Spirit that you would speak to lives today. That, Lord, you would break off wrong answers from valid questions in our life, but that your truth would prevail. Spirit of truth, make much of Jesus. We ask that all that his name represents, his character, his authority, his power, his kingdom, would be revealed and touch people today. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. May Jesus be glorified in him alone. It's in his name I pray. Amen. As I prepared this message this week, I saw in my mind's eye a carousel. Maybe in your mind or your world, it's called a merry-go-round. But I saw people riding this carousel, sitting on different horses and different colors as the horses went up and down and as the carousel and the merry-go-round went around and around in the midst of colorful lights and a scene like a carnival and excitement and noise. And I want to say that I didn't just see people in my mind or a person, but I want to say that I saw you. See, this is one of those messages that I need up front you to understand that I'm not speaking to your neighbor. I'm speaking to you. To you. And there you were on that horse and on the carousel and the merry-go-round. And as it went around and around, something caught your eye. So much that it caught your eye and your attention that you pointed at it. And yet, there you continued on that merry-go-round. Things never slowing down. And you said, I will, when things slow down, get to that. But you just kept on the merry-go-round. You said, when things slow down, I'll look closer into that subject or into that which intrigued me. And yet, you just continued on the merry-go-round. Things never slowing down. Or you never believing you have enough time to look into the matter of what once caught your eye 
of looking into the matter of what once intrigued your heart or looking into the matter of what once caused you to have enough interest to point at. And it made me think of this question for all of us. How many times has the sun went around like a merry-go-round and yet we haven't looked closer at the matter? You say, what matter, Pastor Chad? The matter of what profit is all of this? All of what, you might then ask. All of what keeps you busy. All of what keeps you occupied. All of what keeps your attention. Your life, and primarily which takes the most of your life. Your work, your job, your labor, your career. See, this brings us to our text. Ecclesiastes 1.3 What profit has a man or a woman from all of his or her labor in which he or she tolls under the sun? Solomon asked this question. You see this theme going throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is not a weird book. It's actually a book that all of us as humans need. Most people just don't get off the merry-go-round to ask the question that we all ultimately are asking, though for most of us it's not conscious. What is the profit of all this? He says in Ecclesiastes 3.9, What profit has the worker from that in which he or she labors? The first thing I want to talk about up front is what profit? What profit is all that? Say with me, what profit? Many people seek to answer this question. What is the profit of all of this? And most people answer it this way. The profit of what's taking place in life and in my life, the profit of all this is labor and accomplishment. It's labor and accomplishment. See, when you look and you do a study on the biblical word and of work, and the first time you see it in Scripture, the Hebrew word for work means to make. It means to create. It means to do. Meaning, part of the image of God and part of our purpose is to make, it's to create, it's to do. We were created to make. We were created to be fruitful. And so Solomon starts out on this journey called life and you see that he thinks that in the beginning that the prophet is in accomplishments. It's in labor. For instance, in Ecclesiastes 2, 4 through 9, it says, I made, I built, I made some more things, I planted, I made some other accomplishments. I acquired silver and gold and I acquired more things. I also gathered silver and gold and I became great and excelled. He sums it like this. He says in Ecclesiastes 11.9, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways and the impulses of your heart and in the sight of your eyes as you see to be best. See, most people start off in life, and when they look at life, they think, what is the profit of life? What is the profit of life? And most people start off with the motive of labor and accomplishment. Now, the reason most people don't get to the depth of the answer needed of the question, what profit is all this for, is most people don't have the wisdom and the competency that Solomon had. 
Meaning they don't accomplish all that's in their heart. They don't accomplish all the goals of labor they have. So they never reach a point that Solomon did where now they have completed, they have made, they have done all that their heart desired to do. And yet they look upon all that they've made, all that they've accomplished, all that they labor for, and they find out that it still hasn't profited them. Sure, things have profited on the outside of them. Businesses have been started. Labor has accomplished some goals. Careers and things have taken place. But Solomon reaches this point and he says, Yes, I made, I built, I labored, I acquired, but what profit did it have for the inside of me? Yes, a lot was accomplished and done on the outside of me, but now that it's been done on the outside of me, I feel that something is still missing on the inside of me. On the inside of me. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11, he said, Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I desired gardens, I built it. I desired houses, I built it. I desired this for the city, I built it. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all of my labor. This is where most people start and unfortunately stay. And the question of what profit is all of this. They stay just in the place that the profit is that they're rejoicing in their labor. But listen, it's because most people don't accomplish all that's in their heart they're laboring for, so they never get to the place of Solomon of realizing that the real profit cannot be found just in labor and accomplishment alone. Labor and accomplishment alone is not the true profit. He says, this was my reward from all my labor, but look at verse 11. Then I looked on. He says, I reached a place in life that I actually accomplished all my heart desired, all my heart set after for. I'm looking at all that I planted, all that I made, all that I've started, all that I've created. And then he says, then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had told. But then, indeed, all was vanity. And grasping for the wind, there was no profit under the sun. What Ecclesiastes is showing us is that in the beginning, the primary motive for accomplishment and labor is immature and naive. That they think that by accomplishing things, that the real profit that their life seeks can be found in what they labor and accomplish. But Solomon accomplished all that was in his heart. He accomplished all that he labored for and he found something was still missing. He looked on all that there was and he says, it's all vain. It's vanity. There's no profit in my labor and my accomplishments. He said in our main text, for what profit has you, you the individual for all that you've labored for, all that you've accomplished? What, how has it profited you on the inside? What profit is it? He said, I looked at all that I did, watch this, and the striving of my heart has not ceased. The accomplishments alone didn't profit the man. And the accomplishments alone won't profit you. Now there's another path. Some people, based on multiple, multiple variables they never begin to labor and accomplish anything. 
And they do what the, Jer- what the prophet Jeremiah warned about. They start walking after things that don't profit, meaning don't even profit others, the community, their bosses, jobs. They just start walking after temporary pleasures that don't profit. But then there's a whole other major segment that's walking after finding what their heart's looking for through accomplishment and labor. And Solomon, who God gave great wisdom, it's recorded in Scripture, says to us that, listen, the true prophet that we're looking for cannot be found in labor and accomplishment. Even if you got enough favor and competency and grace from God to accomplish everything that ever could come in your mind and heart, the true profit that you're looking for can't be found in labor and accomplishment alone. See, in Ecclesiastes 2.22, he says, For what has man for all his labor? And for the striving of his heart with which he has told under the sun. He said, look, I'm doing what I was created to do. I have been making, I have been building, I have been acquiring, I have been accomplishing. And yet, as I'm doing what I'm created to do, there's still a striving in my heart. There has not become, I have not yet found this inner satisfaction and peace. This inner rest. He said, the I labor, meaning I living, focusing on what I want to accomplish and what I do, it didn't remove the striving of my heart. So Solomon here, he begins to say, maybe what I was missing, the true prophet, is not just labor and accomplishment, it's labor and accomplishment with relationships. See, in the beginning, yeah, of course Solomon had many people involved in the project and involved in all that he was making and building and accomplishing, but he was just focusing on that it was his heart's desire to see it come to pass. So Solomon says, but I looked on all of it and I realized that all of the labor and accomplishments didn't bring me the inner profit that I was looking for. So he says, maybe what I missed is genuine relationships in my labor as I accomplish things. As things were built. So you see this turn in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He begins to walk through this season. These are the seasons that most people, if they're going to get to the root of the answer to the true question, what is the profit of all this, must walk through. Oftentimes when people begin to move through these seasons, they, people feel bad for them. and They say, oh my gosh, they're going through such a difficult time. Listen to me, no. They're actually fortunate that they reached a place that God can enlighten them to move further towards the adequate answer that we all have. But listen, most people don't even move on the journey towards the answer because they stay on the merry-go-round. And the question, what profit is all of this under the sun, once intrigued them, once caught their attention, once caught their mind, but they say, you know what, I'll answer that or get to that when things slow down. Listen to me, the devil's been doing it a long time. He'll ensure things will never slow down. See, Solomon, this place that he reaches of vanity, we shouldn't feel sorry for him. We should actually be thrilled for him. Because he actually got beyond what most people stay in thinking, the reason my inner life is not yet satisfied and at peace is because, yes, I've done this in my career, and yes, I've worked here, and yes, I've accomplished this, but that's not enough. I still need to accomplish this, and I still need to do that. And so they just keep pursuing. 
always the next thing of labor and accomplishment. But Solomon is telling us who even still desires to labor and accomplish some things that the inner peace and satisfaction and the answer to what profit is not found in more. And he's going to show us it's actually not even found in doing more labor and more accomplishment with more people you like. He says in Ecclesiastes 4 and 7, Then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asked, For whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Verse 9, two are better than one. Maybe the answer is that in all of our labors and all of our seeking profit and accomplishment of having these relationships with us as we pursue more because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one... Be warm alone. He says, maybe the answer is, yeah, labor and accomplishment, but not alone, but with people that you like. Quality of relationships. The problem is, as Jesus said, even sinners love and like those that are like them. So what we find is that Scripture and Solomon show us that even if we have great relationships doing labor and pursuing accomplishment, it's not enough. And those that have it and are fortunate enough to reach that place, they'll find that vanity will still remain. And that's as deep as you get to the answer of the question, what profit is all this for? He said, well, maybe now the real profit is the praise of people. Maybe it's not just in accomplishing things and it's not just in the work and the labor and it's not just in the relationships you have as you do it. He said maybe ultimately the profit of all this is for the praise of people. So he begins to look at the praise of people and as he does and he observes the world around him under the sun, he realizes no, it can't be the praise of people because he says that doesn't last. He said I've seen people who deserve to be praised, who deserve to be honored and yet they are not praised and honored for what they deserve to be praised and honored for. Then he said, I've seen people praised and honored who don't deserve to be praised and honored and yet they're praised anyway. He said, then I've seen people who deserve to be praised and they are praised but it only lasts for a while and the praise then goes away and no one in the future remembers to praise them. So he said, the praise of people can't be the true prophet. So then Solomon says, maybe gain. Acquiring is the true prophet. Maybe the more I gain financially or the more, more momentum my business or my labor gains, maybe that's the true prophet. And he begins to go into this line of thinking in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. But then he finds out that the one who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He begins to find out that the one who loves gain will not be satisfied with gain. That the one who loves abundance and increase won't be satisfied when abundance and increase comes. He finds out that gain can't be the profit because he finds out that gain just leads to greed and the more gain leads to even your neighbor envying you. So he said gain can't be the true profit. Then he said, as I looked, because the more you gain, 
the more your business grows, the more doors that are open, the more the influence expands. He says that the more it grows, the expenses also increase. (laughs) So he said, gain can't be the answer. He's like, the more jobs I get, then the more crew is needed. So the more opportunities, the more growth, the more expenses increase as well. So he said, gain, gain can't be the answer. Then he said, I thought about it even more. Gain can't be the answer because the more you gain, the more potential you have to lose sleep. Because he said, now you got more responsibilities. So he begins to break down that gain can't be the true prophet. He said, in fact, I've looked and I observed and I found out that everything you gain, you can't take it with you. So it can't be the true prophet because he says it's like at the end of life that everything you've gained, it's like a big wind blows and blows it all away. He said, so gain can't be the true prophet. Then he said this. In fact, furthermore, it can't be the true prophet because he said, who can tell you and assure you of what will happen after you? He said, you gain all this, you get your business to a place, you make this, you plant this, you acquire this. But he said, who can assure you that after you go, what happens to the things that you labored and worked and accomplished? He said, it can't be true gain. It's like, I think about my mom, she keeps wanting to have these death, death conversations with me. It's really uncomfortable. And it, it stems because she lost both of her parents already. And out of, obviously, the the emotional difficulty of losing both parents and going through the process of probate court and all that kind of stuff, it made her begin to think about when she passes away what that experience would be for, for me and, 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 and others involved in it and the grandchildren. And so she's been trying to have these death conversations. I'm like, Mom, I don't want to have the death conversations. But here's the point. She keeps telling me, she's like, I want to be cremated. And I said, but I don't want you to be cremated. And guess what, Mom? When you're gone... You're not here to say so. See, the point is, who's here after you go to guarantee what will happen with what you've gained? What you gained. So Solomon reaches this point and he says, listen, there's no profit. What profit? The answer is no profit. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe some of you have been actually fortunate enough to accomplish things that you set out in your labor to accomplish, and now you're looking upon what's been accomplished outside of you, but you realize it's not accomplished what ultimately you desire on the inside of you. On the inside of you. And maybe you feel hopeless, and maybe you're at a point of saying, there's no profit. I want to tell you, it's okay that you're actually fortunate few that's moving in this journey of answering the most important question. What profit of all this? And the no prophet is just a season. Just don't stay there. But let's look at Solomon when he got in the season of no prophet. He said in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11, Whatever my eyes desires, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was the reward from all my labor. But then I looked on the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no prophet under the sun. It says in Ecclesiastes 2, 22, For what has the man for all his labor? What what do I have? Yeah, I see what's happened outside of me through my labor and my accomplishment. But what has happened to me? How has it benefited me on the inside? He said, for what has man for all of his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has told under the sun? He put it this way in Ecclesiastes 6-7. He said, all the labor of man is for his mouth and yet the soul is not satisfied. 
He said, I've accomplished everything I ever labored for, and yet my soul is still not satisfied. Something is still missing. Therefore, labor and accomplishment and all of that, I've reached a place that's saying there's no profit to it all. No profit to the actual man or woman. No profit to your actual soul. But he doesn't stay there. Then he begins to look around and observe and he says, Oh, no, no, no. It's not that there's no profit. He says, Wisdom is the profit. Look at Ecclesiastes 7.11. He says, Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable. Solomon reaches a place and he says, Oh, the profit, it's wisdom. To those who see the sun, for wisdom is a defense. And money is a defense, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. So he begins to talk about the profit of wisdom. He says in chapter 7 and 8 of Ecclesiastes that wisdom empowers you to live in the light of the reality of death. Like my mom, she's got wisdom in this area. Even though I don't want to talk about it, she understands wisdom empowers you to live in the reality that the end for all of us is the same. It's death. That's a profit of wisdom. That's why he says that it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting because in the house of mourning is the remembrance that all of us are going to have to face the reality of death. Then he says in Ecclesiastes 7.13, Oh, another prophet of wisdom is that it allows you to consider important matters. That wisdom actually becomes a defense for minoring and minor things of life and it becomes a defense of focusing and remembering to major on the major things of life. He says there's the prophet of wisdom. He continues on. He says another prophet of wisdom is it empowers you to live with an awareness of your need of God. Ecclesiastes 7, 14 at the end. He says wisdom helps you understand that there's so many variables in life that you cannot control. That there's so many things you don't have the ability to dictate, to plan for, to know what's going to happen, and therefore wisdom empowers you to live in a reality that we need God. That we need God. Then he said, another benefit, another profit of wisdom is it gives you strength. Ecclesiastes 7.19. He says another benefit or profit of wisdom is it empowers you to take the words of people lightly. In Ecclesiastes 7.21-22, he said that there were people on their bad days that said bad things about you, but it wasn't because they really meant bad things about you. It was just they were having a bad day. He says, because remember that you at times on your bad day have said things about people because you were having a bad day. He says it teaches you to take the words of people lightly because, listen, without wisdom, someone can say something to you and it can lead you and keep you in a valley of despair for longer than you should be kept there. But wisdom helps you understand the words of people lightly. Then he said in Ecclesiastes 10.10, another benefit, another profit of wisdom is it brings success. Brings success. Wisdom is if you're having to chop a tree and it's taking too long to sharpen the axe. Wisdom... Bring success. Then he said in Ecclesiastes 7.29, another prophet of wisdom is it gives a right worldview. A right lens to see the world around you. Well, what is this right lens? Something very bad has happened to mankind. Wisdom gives you the ability to look at the world and say, something is not right, something has drastically went wrong in the world with mankind. For look at this scripture, truly this only I have found. He reaches this point. 
of thinking that this is the final answer to the question what prophet that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. He said something has went drastically wrong. God created man in the beginning to walk uprightly, to do justice, to walk humbly, to love God and love others, and yet now they're seeking many schemes. Something drastically has went wrong. Wisdom is a prophet. And he lists these prophets, but then he begins to find it's not enough. See, he thinks the issue was, is when I originally had labored and I sought out accomplishments and I had skill, I didn't have the wisdom as I did the labor and accomplishments that it would be temporary. So he says, no, what, what the, really, the prophet was is the wisdom I've gained from the labor and from the accomplishments, or now doing through labor and accomplishment of my skill, doing it with wisdom. And he says, I finally arrived. And then he realizes, no, there's got to be more. Because he says, wisdom is a prophet, but it's not enough prophet. Let me show you. Ecclesiastes 2 and 21. Look where he says this. For there's a man who labors. Now this is like everybody else. This is where most people start with an immature motivation in life of what is the profit, labor and accomplishment, creating, making, accomplishing, doing something with your life. But then he says, no, 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 because I've also seen people who labor, who had that motive, but actually they moved beyond it and they had wisdom in their labor. They had knowledge, they had skill. But then I noticed he or she must leave what it is they gained to a man or a person who's not labored for it. He said, so this also is vanity. Because even if you do your labor and accomplishment with wisdom, at the end, wisdom can't keep you from having to leave what it is you've labored and accomplished to someone else who's not even worked for it and has the skill and wisdom that you maybe have. He says, this also is vanity. It's a great evil. For what has man for all his labor? And for the striving of his heart with which he's told under the sun. See, he says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, All things come alike to all. To the one who has wisdom and to the one who doesn't have wisdom, all things come alike. So wisdom is a prophet, but it's not enough prophet because I have seen one event happens to the righteous and the wicked. The same thing. I've seen a person with wisdom and with skill and the same thing happens. And I've seen a person without wisdom and without skill and the same thing happens. I've seen the same Trauma, events, tragedies, situations come to all. To the good, to the clean, to the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. Hello, anybody remember Job? That, that blows up about 75% of people's wrong interpretation of the book of Job, by the way, right? Just that one verse. He says, I've seen the things happen to good people. And the same thing happened to a sinner. I've seen the same thing happen to one who takes an oath and to someone who doesn't take an oath. What's going on? He says, listen, wisdom's a prophet, but it's not enough because in Ecclesiastes 9.12, he said it can't stop death. Wisdom can't stop death. He said, in fact, I watched and I realized wisdom was not enough prophet. Though it is a prophet, it can't be enough prophet. Because he says, I remember once in Ecclesiastes 9.15 that there was a man, he had wisdom, and he delivered an entire city from being destroyed. This man, through wisdom, delivered an entire city, and yet he was ultimately forgotten. So he says, wisdom is not enough. 
Because this man had wisdom. He delivered the city, but then everybody forgot in the generations to come that he delivered the city. He said in Ecclesiastes 11 and 6, six that wisdom can't be enough because he said you can follow wisdom and how God has orchestrated the seasons and farming and sowing and reaping and you can follow all of those and yet he said when you sow the seed you have no guarantee on what seed will produce. You can follow the wisdom and yet still not control the crop. So he says, wisdom's a prophet, but it's not enough of a prophet. So then he reaches this point and he says, okay, here's what it looks like. We're all living under the sun, the physical sun. And he said, so here is the conclusion of how we find enjoyment under the sun. How we remove this sense of vanity while living under the sun and its vanity. Here's what he says, Ecclesiastes 2.24, nothing is better for a person that he or she should eat and drink, and that his or her soul should enjoy good in their labor. This I saw was from the hand of God. He says, it's the prophet under the sun, the S-U-N, is to actually enjoy what you do. That if you're going to work, if you're going to have labor, then enjoy what you do. He said the real prophet under the sun is a soul filled with enjoyment. Enjoy a good meal. Enjoy what you eat and drink. If you don't like Brussels sprouts, don't eat Brussels sprouts. If you like cabbage, eat you some cabbage. If you don't like old Charlie's, then don't go there. But for the rest of us, we're going and get some buttery rolls. He continues on. He said in Ecclesiastes, 3.12, I know that nothing's better. I've looked and where I've decided when it comes to under the sun, there's nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works. For that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Meaning, listen, that you can't just work and do work for the next generation because who knows what the next generation will do. You better have some work that when you do it, it rejoices your heart. Rejoices your heart. That's what you can dictate. Do you find enjoyment? Is your soul enjoyed when you do it? He continues on in Ecclesiastes 5.18. He says, here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting. Now, pause again. You remember why most people don't see this? Most people don't perceive this? Most people don't reach this place in these stages of getting a sufficient answer to the question, what profit? Because listen, most people are still on the merry-go-round trying to accomplish a, a mustard seed of what Solomon's already accomplished. See, he had time to sit back and to consider and observe because he had already reached a place where he accomplished all his vision, all his goals, all that he was laboring for. Most people don't get to this place to observe and think these thoughts because they're on the merry-go-round chasing an accomplishment or a goal or creating or trying to make something that they think once they do it will bring the inner satisfaction and it won't. And what Solomon's trying or how God's trying to use Solomon to help us is that you can take the risk that you'll actually reach all of your goals and all that's in your heart and mind to accomplish to try to prove this wrong? Or you realize that most people never even reach all the goals of what they're laboring and accomplished, so why not listen to the wisdom and the experience of one who did? 
and had the time who was off of the carousel and allowed God to teach him how to truly profit and move him forward to a better answer and eventually the concluding right answer to the question, what profit is all this for? Everything that's happening under the sun, what's the profit of it? He continues on. Ecclesiastes 5.18, here's what I've seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him for this is his or her heritage. He says it again. Then he says in Ecclesiastes 9.9, the same thing. He says, live joyfully. Enjoy. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life which he has given you under the sun. All your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life. And in the labor which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Here's what he says. He said, under the sun, the real prophet is a soul that enjoys their experiences of life. They learn to enjoy the food and the drink they have. They learn if they're married to enjoy the spouse that they're married to. That their soul learns enjoyment, listen, in the present encounters of life. In the moment. Enjoying, taking in what your taste buds are trying to get you to focus on. Good food, being thankful, living with your spouse. But then here's the problem. If under the sun, the real prophet is enjoying what you do in your work, in your career, and enjoying the food you eat, and enjoying your spouse if you're married that you do life with, the question then is though, is there more than just what's under the sun? Because if there's more than what's just under the sun, the S-U-N, what do we do then? That's where Solomon begins to move. He says, if, if you want the prophet and you're thinking about just what's under the sun, here's where it's at. Enjoy in the moment anything in life you can be grateful for. But then he asks us, and the Spirit of God asks us today, but is that all there is? Is what's under the S-U-N? Because he says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he found that that's not the case. He says, God has made everything beautiful in its time and He has also put eternity in our hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. See, He says, listen, you can have a soul filled with enjoyment because you enjoy your work and your labor. You enjoy the food and the drink you have. You enjoy your spouse that you're doing life with. And he said, and yet a soul enjoyed, a soul filled with enjoyment is not a soul that's satisfied. That there still is something deeper to the question, what profit? Because he said, he's also put eternity in your heart. See, remember he said a soul filled with enjoyment is being grateful in the moment for the positive life experiences you have. But the problem is there's more than just in the moment in your life. There's also an awareness of eternity. So I can have a soul filled with enjoyment, but a soul that's not yet satisfied because, listen, there's more than just what's under the sun, the S-U-N. He continues on. He says in Ecclesiastes 6-7, All the labor of man is for his mouth. Meaning in the beginning, 
All of us, we have a hunger for goals or for achievement or praise or whatever we think the true prophet is. And it's that hunger of our mouth that drives us. But what Solomon's saying is even when your mouth gets fed and you get the goal that you think will truly profit you, he said, and yet the soul is not satisfied. He said, I made, I built, I planted. Then I thought, well, maybe I need to make and build and plant with people I like and love. And then he, he found that in all of it, his soul was still not satisfied. His soul had enjoyment under the sun, but it was not satisfied. Why? Because in his heart was still the question of what about eternity? See, there's a heaven above the heaven of the sky around us. There's an eternity above the time under the sun. So the question is, what do we do? And here he begins to really get to the ultimate revelation that God in His grace and mercy by the Holy Spirit wants to bring every person and every one of His children to the conclusion is lastly, under the sun, S-U-N, and under the sun, S-O-N. See, in Ecclesiastes 11, 9 and 10, he says, Rejoice, O young man, young woman, in your youth. Let your heart be a cheerleader for you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, what you want to labor in, what you want to accomplish, in the sight of your eyes, what you want to build and put energy to. But listen, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. What's he saying? He said there's more than just what's happening under the sun, that what happens under the sun, you're going to give an account to it, to God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, here's what he says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. God speaks through the prophet Isaiah and he says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, watch this, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. That God our Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, wants to teach all of us what the true prophet is. To teach us the way that we go in life to experience the true prophet. A true prophet that's beyond just any temporary prophet under the sun, the S-U-N. What does God, by His Spirit, want to teach us? What's He say? Here's what He says. You have to connect your life under the sun, S-U-N, to a life lived under the sun, S-O-N. That if you want to get the question, what prophet completely, completely answered? Where your answer in the end doesn't fall under just the vanity of being stuck under the sun, the S-U-N. He says you have to connect your life that you have now under the S-U-N to a life lived under the S-O-N. That you're not just living for the temporary rewards under the S-U-N, the physical sun, but you're connecting your life and what you do for actually rewards and things that can go beyond the S-U-N 
and concerning God's Son, Jesus Christ. See, he says you have to connect your life under the physical Son as you into God's life in the Son. That's the true prophet. That in what you do, you connect it to the reward of His presence, fellowship, intimacy, and communing with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Brother Lawrence, after he passed, they published several of his writings in the book Practicing the Presence of God. He was a man whose main primary daily work was to wash cups and plates. How do you take what seems to be so much vanity of just washing dishes under the sun, the S-U-N, and find reward as he connected what he did under the sun, even washing, to finding life and communion with God through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, the S-O-N. And he found a soul that actually found that the true prophet is a soul satisfied in communing with the S-O-N, the Son of God. Connecting whatever work we do under the S-U-N with the life and the communion and the presence of the S-O-N, the Son of God. This leads me to questions that would be wise for us to ask ourselves repeatedly. How do I connect life under the physical Son to the life of the Son of God? How do you connect what you're doing daily under the physical sun to a life that you're living under the Lordship and under the S-O-N, the Son of God? How do I connect what I do with what God has done in Jesus? Do you know God has already established His eternal purpose and accomplished His eternal purpose through the finished work of Jesus Christ? So how do I connect what I do with what God has already done through Jesus Christ, the Son? How do I connect what is temporary under the physical sun to that which is eternal under the Son of God? What this looks like is, is when you begin to establish the connection and you answer the questions correctly, what it looks like is turning work into a work of faith. That your work is not just work under the physical sun, it's now a work of faith done under the Son of God. That what you do has lasting effects and benefits beyond a life that's just under the physical sun. It actually can move and affect things beyond the physical sun to a life lived in eternity with the sun, the S-O-N. What it looks like is you turn even good food into godly fellowship. That's why Paul said whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. It looks like turning labor into a labor of love for God. That you turn your labor, you turn your daily labor into a labor of love for a life lived under the Son of God. It looks like turning my patience at work into the patience of hope in the sight of God our Father as we wait for the Son of God to return. It looks like turning my work into worship. My work into worship. That I turn my good work at work, because as believers we're to do good work at work. 
Good work at work. You know, in fact, uh, one man of God, he was a shoemaker. And a godly shoemaker. And he was asked why he didn't put crosses on his shoe. He said, oh, I put a cross on that shoe. It's just not a visible cross. But it's visible in the quality that I do as I do it as worship unto God through the work and the craft of my shoemaking. You turn work into worship. You turn your good work at work into good works that demonstrate His kingdom. The character of His kingdom. The presence of His kingdom. The reality of His kingdom. It makes me think about uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He said this, he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, as the band comes, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing how can you be steadfast? How can you be unmoved? How can you always abound in work that's done not just under the sun, S-U-N, but it's done for the Son of God? He says you got to know something. You have to know that your labor is not in vain. Why? Because you're not just doing work under the S-U-N. You're doing work under the S-O-N. And you're turning your work into worship. Therefore, you are not moved, but you are empowered to be abounding because your work is not just work for man, it's work for the Lord. Oftentimes as we minister and have young people get connected to this community, and Pastor Craig served young people for a decade plus, and we see oftentimes that when young people get set on fire for Jesus, that they make their passion for Jesus, they get one primary goal, is trying oftentimes to figure out how to leave the workplace and to want to work with us <laughs> at the church. Listen, that's not what we're about. That's not God's plan. That's not God's design. See, when we gather, we gather as the people of God to get reminded, to get reminded to know that our work out there is not vain because it's not just work under the S-U-N. We're doing work under the S-O-N. And that's how He reaches people that this is an equipping center this is a place to come and to encourage you and to get your mind back on the reality of being under the S-O-N the Son of God not just under the S-O-N the physical Son to be empowered to be strengthened to be reminded that your work out there is work in the Lord and it's not in vain it's not in vain See, work and labor done in the Lord is not in vain. And it's not just temporal, it's eternal. It has lasting effects beyond your life lived just under the physical S-U-N. Two more questions is, how do I connect my time under the S-U-N to the time to come under the Son's kingdom when He rules and reigns for a thousand years over all the nations of the earth? How do I connect opportunities now under the physical sun, S-U-N, to the time or opportunities for His kingdom? How do I connect my opportunities now for opportunities for the Son of God? This leads us to the conclusion of the matter, the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how of kingdom profit. 
the true prophet. What prophet is all of this? The true prophet is kingdom prophet. And what is the who of kingdom prophet? What is the what of kingdom prophet? What is the when and the where and the why and the how of kingdom prophet? What is the true prophet for the work man or work woman of God? Well, the true prophet is kingdom prophet and it's found first in what I do. What I do. Is what you do, is it worthwhile work? What you do every day, is it worthwhile work? Meaning what? Does it lead to the benefit of others' life experience? Think of a garbage man. Think of someone that works for waste management. Is that worthwhile work? Absolutely. Could you imagine your home? Could you imagine your street? Could you imagine your neighborhood? Could you imagine this city with just garbage piled up everywhere? Listen. See, that's worthwhile work. Because it makes the experience of others and their life better. Is your work worthwhile? Is it worthwhile? Civic leaders, worthwhile work. Because the Solomon says the prosperity of the land leads to the, or the, uh, the prospering of the land leads to everybody in the land prospering. Teachers, worthwhile work. Training the minds. Counselors, worthwhile work. Benefiting the life experience of others. But listen, there's a difference for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ. Because we're not just doing good works that only have temporary benefit, temporary worth while under the S-U-N. As believers, we're called, listen, for our good works are done in Christ. They're done in Christ so they actually lead to lasting worth in the time to come. They pass beyond the grave. They pass beyond just what's happening under the physical sun. Because in Ephesians 2.10 it says, when you were created in Christ Jesus, you were created for good works. Listen, these good works for believers are done in Christ because they're not just done for temporary effects. Listen, because they're done in Christ, they're done under the Son of God and it leads to results and things that are lasting. Because listen, good works by themselves become dead works because they only stay under the sun. Therefore, they in the end become vanity. But good works for believers done in Christ don't become dead. They pass beyond death and affect even eternity to come. So what I do? Worthwhile work in Christ. But who do I do it? The who of kingdom prophet. Listen, do I do it for the eyes of men or the eyes of God? Do I do it just for the eyes of those under the physical S-U-N or do it for the eyes of the Son of God? See, I've found that if we do it just for the eyes of men, we most certainly will fail in the eyes of God. But if you do it for the eyes of God, we most likely will succeed in our labor in the eyes of man. Jesus increased in favor with God and with man. The Bible talks about we can increase with favor with God and with man. That's the who. What's the the when of kingdom prophet? Listen, the, the when I do it. Well, how often do you do worthwhile work in Christ for the eyes of the Son of God? Listen, we do it consistently. Because Jesus Christ is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
But listen, when I do it, you know what this also means? Is when I'm not consistent, I ask for forgiveness. And I acknowledge my need to still grow in Christ. To become consistent. And when I do worthwhile work that's done for the eyes of the Son of God. Then this leads to the why of King the Prophet. Why I do it. Well, the why I do it is because my work is now worship. We just came off a money series of saying that if you work for money, you're missing it because we can't love and obey God and love and obey money. He said, it's either one or the other. And I felt like this message would be a perfect transition between coming out of money matters into now looking at work. And it's this, why do I do it? My work is worship. To honor the S-O-N, the Son of God who's given me breath in my lungs and a heartbeat and the skills and the advantages and the opportunities and the people that's went into my life to help me and to mentor me and the opportunities I had to learn and to get an education that now to honor the Son who allowed all this, my work is done as worship unto Him. But how many of you know that what you do can be worthwhile work and it can be the good works done in Christ that you were created for. And you can do them for the eyes of the S-O-N and not for the eyes of men. And you can even do it consistently. And the why could be is that you're doing it as work, as worship unto God. But how many of you know that ultimately too, it's how I do it. That the manner and the character I have as I do it matters. See, the how I do it of kingdom profit is being a worthy workman and a worthy workwoman. Meaning your character. What are things that make up your character? Your presence matters. Listen to me. Carousel believers have no power of the kingdom to manifest a different presence of carousel unbelievers. That when you allow the Spirit of God to take you to this depth of the answer, what profit? Listen, your very presence is different. People actually start getting uncomfortable when, when, how are you? I'm busy. And your presence is different. Not busy. Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden's light. And yet, that person can have more responsibility than us. Presence comes from character. You know what else? Your words. Words at the workplace. Are you the complainer and the negative? Or your words bring presence of life and empowerment of God? Your attitude makes up your character. Listen, your work ethic. Maybe we'll see it, but Paul talks about the work ethic of a believer should be beyond that of an unbeliever. Your serving makes up your character. Your witness makes up your character. But you know what I found? I have found personally that when I started out, what profit is all this under the sun? And even when I began to understand work is worship and doing it not just for the eyes of men under the S-U-N, but for the eyes of the S-O-N. I found that even in that, I didn't start out as a fully complete whole worthy workman and let me give you news you don't either that becoming a worthy workman 
and a worthy workwoman is a process. And guess what God uses as a primary context for you to become a worthy workman and a worthy workwoman? Your work! It's not get perfect and then work in the Lord. No, it's as you go and you turn your work into worship and you do it for the eyes of the S-O-N, the Son of God, that it's like we sang, we go from glory to glory. We go from degree to degree into more godliness. Because in the end, the real answer of what profit? What profit? What is truly kingdom profit? Paul answers. It's godliness. It's not the gain. It's not the praises of men. It's not the temporary rewards under the S-U-N. The true kingdom profit is godliness. A soul satisfied and delighting in God Himself through Jesus Christ by the communion of the Holy Spirit. We see it here, 1 Timothy 4.8, the last verse. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable. For all things. Watch this. Having promise of the life that now is under the S-U-N. And of that life which is to come under the S-O-N and the kingdom to come. Godliness is the true prophet. And guess what he uses then as a main context for our true prophet? Your work. It's a context to become a worthy workman and worthy workwoman to become more conformed to the image of Christ. It's where He uses it to wash off the rough areas of our old life so that the beauty of Christ can be formed in us. So here's the conclusion of the matter. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why, the how of kingdom prophet. You ready? If you got a sermon card, here's your blanks. Worthwhile work. Worthwhile work. Worthwhile work as a worthy work man or work woman. Worthwhile work as a worthy work man or work woman. Watch this. Offered as worship. That's the true prophet. That's the true kingdom prophet. Worthwhile work as a worthy workman offered as worship. Connecting your work under the S-U-N as work under the S-O-N, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.